Hi, Keith here with Rebel Civics. The Rebel Civics show on Unsafe Space Network is an education and discussion show on the principles of government, society, and individual rights. Today, we have special guest and U.S. Senate candidate, Dennis Misigoy. Dennis is running for the seat in Florida, now held by incumbent Marco Rubio. He's the son of two immigrant parents. He's born and raised in Florida. He's a computer science degree from Florida International University. Worked four years as a high school teacher and then began working as a software engineer. Uh, disclaimer on me, I've never been a member of any political party and Rebel Civics isn't a politics show, at least not on the team sport game. Um, it's Rebel Civics is a show on civics, uh, fundamental principles and philosophy of government and then how to fix the problems today, how to take action. I've been watching Dennis campaign and what he's been saying is spot on, and I'm thrilled to have him here as a guest. So welcome, Dennis, and uh, thanks for joining Rebel Civics. Thank you so much for having me, Keith. Um, yeah, that was a great pleasure. And every time, as you know, um, you know, those of us who are outside of the establishment, it's always a, it's always a challenge to reach out to people and get opportunities to, to speak. So um, I'm very appreciative of always these opportunities. And, you know, I, and I'm always very encouraged about the fact that we just have so many alternative media opportunities nowadays, uh, platforms like this where you guys are, you know, uh, operating outside of, you know, what has existed for so long so that, you know, people can get their news because the trust there is, is at such an all time low. And so, um, you know, it's important that we're able to, to reach people and get the message. And so thank you again for having me on. Yeah, it kind of, this kind of messaging, you know, what you've been talking doesn't come out on the regime's media very easily. You know, the mainstream channels, legacy, whatever you want to call them. I've been calling yeah. them regimes media. So yeah, that's what unsafe space is. We have a bunch of different shows. Um, so I have some questions and uh, I know you you have lots of topics to talk about, but I think I'd like to start, or I want to start with kind of the elephant in the room as far as running uh, for libertarian. And that's mm -hmm. your arguments about it's not a wasted vote in most cases. I don't know all cases, but certainly in most cases or many cases, sure. uh, it's not splitting the vote. Yeah. Um, so I, I'd like to just yeah let people know your how you how you refute that argument. Well, um, you know, there, there's a, there's a number of different things to point out, but I I think at the core of it, when you, when you use the term saying like splitting the vote, I think the reality is is that what I'm offering and what I'm representing is something fundamentally different. Look, uh, and I've tried to make the point. I, I try to make it uh, when I've had opportunities in in the debates, uh, whether it's the closing or the opening, you know, to point out the fact. Look, I'm the only anti-war candidate in this race, okay? And it's not just the Republicans and Democrats. There's two NPAs on the ballot with me as well. So there's five names on the ballot across the state uh, for U.S. Senate. But I'm the only one who says, look, I, I want to bring all the troops home now. I don't want to keep funding a proxy war uh, against Russia and Ukraine. I don't want to keep antagonizing with China. I, I don't want to maintain an empire of 700 military bases across the world. So there's only one anti-war vote. There's only one free markets vote. There's only one vote for a person who says, I don't want to take taxpayer dollars to subsidize billion dollar corporations because we say, well, we got to do it to compete with China or whatever. Let's emulate the policies of a communist country. OK, I'm the only anti-socialist candidate. There, there's nobody else who's who's willing to say I don't want government involved in central economic planning um, a, a, as a, a hard rule. Uh, I'm the only candidate for for sound money who who's actually talking about the Federal Reserve and ending the Federal Reserve and giving people a serious alternative to that. So, and I can go down the list in a number of other issues. 
but but it's not a it's not splitting the vote because that implies that you know that there's another candidate or candidates who are uh, ha- have a similar platform or are committed to the same principles because there isn't. Um, so the perception that uh, and certainly it's a perception that tries to get put forward by Republicans that they're also the alternative uh, or or they they represent say for example a small small government position. You know, look, part of the reason that I, I became a libertarian and, and got really turned off to the Republican Party, I grew up, you know, Cuban-American in, in Miami, Florida. So not, not that my family was particularly political, but, um, you know, voting Republican was automatic. And what happened at the end of the the George W. Bush years, you know, he had eight years as president, six of those eight years, Republicans had majorities in both houses of Congress. And what did they do? They expanded the government. The debt uh, doubled. And it wasn't just the wartime spending. It was, you know, no child left behind. It was Medicare Part D. It was expansion of government uh, any which way they could. The, you know, the Department of Homeland Security, et cetera, et cetera. You know, all they did was grow government. So they're not the small government party. They're not the personal freedom party. Democrats certainly aren't the personal freedom party. They certainly can't claim that after um, the positions they took in the last couple of years with COVID. Uh, and certainly there's much more than that that we can talk about. But uh, so there's only one choice for this. Uh, so it's not splitting the vote. You can make the argument that, hey, I, my odds aren't very good, uh, but it's certainly not splitting the vote because none of these other guys represent what I represent. They don't offer what I offer. Um, and, and not just in terms of policy and principles, but also what it represents. You know, the uh, most Americans, I think at this point, realize, even if they're they're still too timid to vote for it or have been, most people recognize the two-party system is broken. It doesn't work. Um, and, and how are we going to get out of this? There is only one way to get out of this, and this is to elect somebody from outside of the two-party system. Uh, and not, and it can't just be one person like some random independent. You know, Bernie Sanders is on paper an independent, but he just caucuses with the Democrats, and he's, you know, just kind of on the fringes of what they do. Uh, but effectively, he's still one, and there's been other independents in, in Washington, D.C. We need to build a movement. And, and what does that start with and what's the best platform for that as a libertarian, the third large, uh, you know, here from the third largest party in the country? Uh, it, it's, I think, the best opportunity we have. We have to, you know, take our first step, uh, you know, strike the first blow and, and win a seat and uh, begin that process. It's a long process, uh, but it's a process we need to start. We cannot wait any longer. So um, but so it, because. Uh, so these are the two things besides the principles and the platform that nobody else is is standing firm on uh, is the fact that only electing electing me is the only um, it would be the only outcome that would actually begin to uh, disassemble the establishment would begin the process of breaking through and breaking down uh, that regime, as we want to say, uh, that has controlled our political system now for for more than a century. So yeah, I, the, most of us realize it's something we desperately need. Yeah, so it's not in this particular race, especially with you know Marco Rubio and Val Demings in Florida. Um, it's not splitting the vote, uh, as you said. The only vote for sound money, peace, freedom uh, is is you in this race, and I think that's true in a lot of libertarian races. And I wouldn't say all. Um, yeah, I, I would bring up that here's an extreme example, like. I would rather the libertarians didn't run somebody against Thomas Massey, Uh, probably not against Rand Paul. But I mean, the number of people I would put on that list that probably fit on one hand. Um, Yes. Yeah. No, there's there's a handful of people out there that is, that's worth giving a little bit of deference to. And certainly I think those two guys are, are guys who on the whole, and and that's not to say that I agree with them as necessarily on everything, 
But I, I agree with you. You know, we particularly because we as the libertarians have such limited resources. I say, well, pick your battles. You know, if you want to run as a Senate candidate in a in Kentucky, go run against Mitch McConnell. Don't run against Rand Paul. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Good point. Mitch McConnell would be the one to choose. Um, yeah. Rand Paul's been great. And yeah, he's not he's not completely libertarian. He's Republican. I disagree with him on some things. But if he got the presidential nomination, I would vote for him. Um Unless, unless there's a solid libertarian, I'm not counting yeah, like if Dave, Dave Smith gets it, but the yeah. last couple national libertarian presidents, I didn't, I didn't vote for him. Last yeah, election, no, I, last election, I wrote in Thomas Massey. So when I say I'm not a member of a party, um, it doesn't mean that I don't vote uh, libertarian because I vote based on principles and policies yeah. and platforms. And I hate the team sports game. I don't think the team sports game is going to fix DC. And like I said, you know, I have voted for libertarians. I voted, I wrote in Thomas Massey for president last time because I, I used two criteria. He's already willing to go to DC and fix things, which I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy, um, but he's already doing it and you are too. So, okay, that's one criteria. And he's yeah. solid, principal, libertarian, you know, and I might disagree with him a few things, but relatively speaking, like he's pretty much on the top of the list. So, yeah, last time I, I wrote him in. Um, and I have voted for libertarians before. So I've, like I said, I'm not in the party. I, I yeah. want to make it clear that this show isn't a team sport politics yeah. show. Never has been. Uh, you're mm -hmm. the first candidate for office I've, I've had on the show. Um, well, and, and it's really the arguments you're making that, that like put me over the edge. And, and I did when, after the Mises caucus takeover, I was tempted to at least think about it, but I just should not be <laughs> part of any party, even though I support, you know, libertarian yeah. candidates well, i'm an old guy i voted for harry brown yeah i've been around there you go. i've been there watching the libertarian brown. party for a while and certainly ron and, paul and like, since <laughs> we're since we're bringing up harry brown i i want to something I, I always like to call attention to if anyone hasn't read it out there anyone watching this um something i i encourage everybody in particular relevant with the foreign policy issues of today and really the last two decades as well um there's a great little article that was written by harry brown on September 12th of 2001. And you remember what September 12th of 2001 was like. Um, and it's called, When Will We Learn? Um, and if anybody out there hasn't read that, you know, it really demonstrates a bit of perspective um, in recognizing how did we get into the situation where, you know, these guys were so motivated to go and do all the work to come up with this plot and fly airplanes into the stuff and kill all these people. What motivated them and, 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 and when will we learn that the, these policies that we allow to go on and the foreign policy that we have is going to have these kind of disastrous effects and, and will always come back to bite us. And it really, um, you know, I think about it in the context of what's going on today. And, and I keep saying this to anybody who will listen to me. Um, you know, when I look at our foreign policy, particularly in the last two decades, uh, what exemplifies it is, uh, you know, in every single situation, we've been lied to about the reason for getting involved. And we have uh, we've or they, they've lied about the 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 motivation or the purpose of, of the U.S. involvement. And then on the other hand, they have been totally wrong about the consequences of all of those interventions. And so uh, but the problem is that with the, what my perspective is, you know, the problem, the, the consequences of getting it wrong against the Taliban, you know, for example, you know, thinking we could remake Afghanistan into whatever. And after, uh, you know, the longest war in American history, 20 years. Uh, Two trillion dollars, probably a million Afghans dead, um, you know, thousands of, of U.S. soldiers, plus tens of thousands who came home and committed suicide, you know, 
racked with with what they came home with, you know, all these problems that, that we're dealing with. And and for what, you know, li- literally within a week of us leaving, they had the entire country again. You, know, you look at Iraq and yeah. and I don't think anybody planned after getting rid of Saddam Hussein that we were going to be ruled by a Shia majority who was then going to be friends with Iran. Um, you know, Assad must go, except Assad is still there. Every time we've been wrong about the consequences, but the cons- but the or excuse me, we've been wrong about the outcomes. And but the consequences, the potential consequences of getting it wrong against Putin in Russia with, you know, the next largest nuclear arsenal in the world. Uh, those, those are a different set of consequences than the consequences of getting it wrong against, you know, Muqtada al-Sadr. So I, that worries me a great deal is the, the possibility that these guys may think that they can thread the needle and they can push the buttons and they can push far enough, but they won't push them over the line to where it'll really go wrong. Because if it goes wrong, it's going to be the American people who suffer. And so, you know, the, again, it goes back to the question that, that Harry Brown asked, when will we learn? Um, and, and that is really something I, I, I hope everybody, if you've never read it, never looked at it, I really encourage you to go look that up. We should, yeah, I'll have to find that and we'll put it in the show notes. That's, I remember it. That's a great article. Yeah. And that was 2012, right? The day after, wasn't the day the 2000, after the well, 2001, so, so, 2001. And yeah, he's been warning and Ron Paul was warning. Ron Paul warned about Absolutely. this in 1991 when the mm-hmm. British, when the, uh, Berlin wall came down and, uh, mm-hmm. Warsaw Pact broke up. Soviet Union broke up. Ron Paul was warning, like, be careful with expanding this NATO stuff. Yeah. Uh, what are you guys doing? Like in 1991 and then in, again in 2001, Ron Paul's yeah. one. Yeah. Harry well, Brown's great. That's who- great. That article. Oh, and here I, I'll just pop this up for reading material. <laughs> Remember <laughs> Harry Brown's why government doesn't work book. I happen to have that on my shelf right here. Um, you so, met Carter, who started Unsafe Space. When we, he hosts two other shows on here. When Harry Brown wrote that book, Carter and I split a box of them and handed them out to everybody. And it's when nice. I moved to Florida, that's one of the few books I brought with me. Anyway, yeah, Harry Brown warned us. Ron Paul warned us. You're warning us. Well, yeah, um, and, and it's not even the and it's not even just the libertarian non-interventionist types. Like even the these guys who are like the old, you know, sort of Cold War, you know, establishment. Cold War era establishment diplomats, the guys who kind of navigated us through all of the whole, you know, avoiding mutually assured destruction and, uh, you know, basically maintaining things so that we survived until the Soviet Union just collapsed on itself. Uh, all, all the guys who, who did that, even a bunch of those guys like George Kennan were warning back in the 90s when they began the whole process of NATO expansion. This says, look, if we go down this path, it's gonna, um, if this is the path we go down, it's going to instigate a bad reaction from Russia. And then, and, and he rightly predicted, and then as soon as that happens, people are going to use that and say, well, look, this is just what we told you all along about Russia. Look how bad they are. And this is justifies now what we're doing. Um, so it's this sort of circular thing. And, and like I said, even people who are not necessarily, you know, from our non-interventionist um, way of thinking have acknowledged this. Even like Henry Kissinger, you know, has been saying that this is, you know, terrible and we should be negotiating to try to de-escalate the situation. And, um, and everything they're doing is the opposite. It's the opposite of de-escalation. Since 91, yes. they've been escalating this. And they ramped it up in 2012 with the CIA and the State Department overthrow of the government in Ukraine. It's almost like they planned it. Like, like warning well, doesn't know, work because they know. Well, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, a, it's a crazy thing because they, they, they've created the conditions for this and kind of antagonized. And it's interesting because, um, I don't know, man, you, you see – 
everything that's happening. And, you know, ultimately, what's what's the goal? Is it the thought that, uh, you know, what they've even openly stated? And again, uh, I'll 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 bring it back to the race here. And, you know, Marco Rubio, even before the invasion began, was talking about, well, if Russia goes in, we need him to face a, you know, a, a protracted, uh, you know, and well-funded and armed insurgency. And we're going to support uh, this in Ukraine. Uh you know, and Hillary Clinton, right after it happened, was basically talking about emulating the the 1980s Afghanistan in uh, in the Soviet Union. Excuse me, the Soviet Union invading Afghanistan in the 1980s. That as the model, because the U.S.'s involvement there, because what was it? It was to try to bleed Russia. Uh, and it's essentially the same thing that they want to do here. It's not about protecting Ukraine. And this is one of the things that really gets me is that uh, when I talk about this, this issue in particular and say the U.S. should be, you know, trying to negotiate some kind of peace or at least... Um, at a bare minimum, withdrawing its support and stop trying to fund this war and trying to exacerbate and extend the conflict, which is what we're doing. And we're doing it to, um, again, more to hurt Russia than anything else. It's not about protecting Ukraine. Look, if the model you're following is uh, Afghanistan in the 1980s, that is a catastrophe. And you don't really care about them, okay? The, in the When the Soviets invaded Afghanistan, it's estimated that in that war about, I, I, I've seen estimates as high as 2 million civilians being killed. Okay. And that, that's just, again, that's just innocent lives being lost due to a war um, that you're purposefully going and try to extend. Now, I don't know what the outcome of that would have been had the U S not been supplying and, and assisting in whatever way that it was. I don't know what the outcome would have been and how different it would have been, but th- that's, that's not something good. And also, you know, on a side note, you know, if you think about how Afghanistan has sort of um, evolved culturally, yeah, and this is sort of anecdotal, but I mean, I think we've all seen these kind of pictures, particularly as like the the war on terror was really getting forward. You know, people would show these pictures of, of Kabul in the 70s and 60s looking very modern, you know, uh, look looking like comparatively speaking, uh, relatively westernized women in sort of modern clothing and everything else. Not the sort of crazy fundamentalism that we that we saw uh, by the end of the 90s, early 2000s when the Taliban had, had taken over. And, you know. How does that happen? Well, you have a, a whole bunch of years of war, destroying a country, uh, breaking everything down, massive loss of life. You know, usually the end result after that is not a good thing. You look at what happened in Libya. You know, Libya was in 2010, uh, arguably the the most prosperous country in Africa, uh, highest I think per capita, uh, I don't know, it's GDP or income, whatever. But it, by some by by varying statistical measures, was like the most prosperous country in Africa. We get involved, um, you know, to overthrow Gaddafi. NATO, the defensive alliance of NATO, gets involved to overthrow Gaddafi. I always love when people tell me that NATO is purely defensive, and it's, and lud- it's, lud- it's ludicrous. Yeah, the way I just put one comment on NATO, I'll throw in like I think NATO <laughs> exists to counter the threat imposed by the existence of NATO. Yeah, we could just um, get rid of it, and then all this would end. But I'm sorry, yeah, go uh, ahead. <laughs> No, no, but, but you know, we, we took Libya, you know, and again, you can say whatever bad you want to say about Gaddafi, a dictator, okay, you know, this guy had been in power for decades and decades. Okay, f- fair enough, but look what came after. What came after is, you know, broad, you know, open-air slave markets in broad daylight, okay? Literally, I mean, the place is a, an absolute mess, uh, you know, it's a catastrophe, and, and why? Uh, what was accomplished? And that was, you know, again, intervention to accomplish something i guess i don't know but it, it is this 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 approach to foreign policy that has been such a disaster and so um it, it it exemplifies kind of 
It's it's yeah. not the, the it's obviously not working, right? And yes. the Republican and the Democrat mainstream party folks, and again, I take Thomas Massey, Rand Paul out of this. Um, they're all for this. Like I, I think JFK, if he tried to run today, like he couldn't get a Republican or a Democrat nomination. They would toss him out so fast, like he'd be trying to run for his town council or he'd be hosting a podcast. <laughs> like that's what JFK would be doing today. <laughs> They wouldn't let him near I mean, Washington or maybe he'd be libertarian. I, mean, I don't know. There's certainly something to be said about, you know, kind of them, them successfully shifting the, the, what they call it, the Overton window to be like, yeah. you know, they, 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 you know, it, it's sadly effective. You know, let, let me preface that. I, I'm not a hundred percent sure how, how truly effective this is because, you know, on the one hand, if I go out on social media and I post something about this or, or I comment on something where somebody else is already talking about it, man, I will get, uh, you know, inundated by some of these folks who are like, you know, you're, you know, you just want a appeasement for Russia and, you know, pro Putin talking points, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they, they really come after you and you're a traitor and this and that. Um, but, you know, in reality, when I talk to regular people, I don't really find that many people who say like, yeah, man, whatever it takes, we're, you know, uh, the Russians, they got to just pack up and leave. Like, I don't, I don't really come across that as much talking to real people. And maybe I don't get out and talk to enough real people. But um, so I, I don't know. It's hard to really parse. But um, it, it's certainly disturbing to see so many people that are so, uh, you know, detached from reality on this thing. And, you know, I'll say one thing that at least didn't happen, which, you know, thankfully, because it would have started World War Three um, already. Uh, was, you know, a few months ago when some folks in the, you know, in in Washington, D.C. were talking about putting a no-fly zone over Ukraine. Um, like, we're going to have U.S. planes going to go shoot down Russian planes in Ukraine. Uh, funnily enough, you know, uh, funnily enough and, I, and I'll give him a little bit of credit for this, because Marco Rubio at least came out and said, no, that, that would be crazy. That would start World War III. However, I think he was campaigning on doing the same thing in Syria to shoot down Russian planes back when he was running for president in 2016. So, um, you know, maybe, maybe I'll give him points for learning something. Maybe, I don't know, but, um, you know, the, the Hillary Clinton policy as well in that case, uh, they, you know, they but, don't but appear guys, to have learned. I, I don't think they've learned. And, uh, you know, you, I know the, uh, the, if you want to call it the uniparty, uh, which is fully supported yes. by the left and right today, if you want to call it that, um, they're yeah. totally into this concept that the United States needs to pick up some two bit country every few years and like slam it against the wall just to make sure everybody knows they mean business. But now yeah. they're doing the same thing with the guy who has more nuclear weapons than anyone else in the world. Uh, yeah. That's not the same situation. Uh, I think it's crazy. Not. Well, no, and this is the thing, and I, and I keep trying to say, like, when I get into some of these arguments with people, like, look, I say, look, I, I make the argument that the issue is much more complicated. You know, obviously, U.S. involvement uh, with the overthrow of, um, uh, gosh, whatever, list. Iran, Yenico, Iraq, Yenico, Afghanistan, Syria, Ukraine. Well, speaking <laughs> specifically ahead. with Ukraine, like, like, like the whole okay. thing to get Yanukovych out to then, um, and, and everything that's gone on since then in Ukraine. Uh, kind of leading up to this thing, put all even put all that aside and pretend, hey, Russia entered unprovoked. And again, unprovoked does not mean un provoked and justified is not the same thing. Look, I mean, somebody can walk up to you, say kind of mean things to you, spit in your face. Uh, and, and that's a provocation. But if you pull out a gun and shoot him in the chest, it doesn't mean it's justified that you shot and killed the guy. But it, well, you were provoked. OK, there was a motive. And, and when a, a police investigator looks for the motive of a murder, it doesn't mean he's justifying it or he's forgiving it. He's just trying to understand it. And we need 
to try to understand the situation here uh, as voters, as as a as a the populace here to to really understand kind of what's going on. But even put that part aside and just like I said, accept the accept the propaganda line as they keep repeating over and over unprovoked, 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 you know. Putin just woke up one day and said, you know what? I want to take Ukraine over. And so that's what we're going to do. Okay. Suppose that that's true. Um, even if you think that, you know, there's this rhetoric and this idea of, you know, and I hear people say things like they should get to, or we should allow them or shouldn't allow them. You know, this idea that the U S has limitless power to control everything that happens in the world. Look, even if you think that it's totally wrong and, and the cause of, you know, fighting Russia for Ukraine is totally justified. Even if you believe that, number one, we just don't have the power to dominate the world like this. And the potential negative consequences are the worst possible consequences. It's like the end of human civilization, um, something we managed to avoid throughout the entire Cold War. And yet we're somehow getting closer to it now than ever before. Um, so, you know, we spent, like I mentioned, you know, 20 years in Afghanistan and all this thing. And what did we accomplish? If we couldn't do that there, what the heck do we think we're going to do? Um, you know, dominating and deciding, well, what's Russia going to, like, we're going to tell Russia that they can't do something with a country that's on their border, you know, on the other side of the planet, realistically, um, to what end, you know? Yeah, I picture if, if Russia did in Canada what we're doing in Ukraine, uh, it would be another shock and awe campaign from from D.C. Just, you know, picture Quebec finally succeeds and starts another <laughs> country and then Canada you know, you have to this is a little fanciful because it would require Justin Trudeau to become less socialist for this to work. But he, if he like gets hooked up with Russia, um, the U.S. would not even come. It, it would be shock and all is the only thing I could think that it would be. Yeah. They would they would be bombing Ottawa right now. Yeah. If that happened. Um, so, yeah. So you put this as the top top issue and and you know like the sound money problem doesn't exist if we have a worldwide nuclear war well it's so, the yeah, thing. Look, peace, it's, peace is the way you put it well that's why when we were talking about you know kind of promoting this and everything you know it's, it's one of the things and i try to um you know i try to make put a big emphasis on this look um and even no matter how evil you think putin is and and i'm not saying putin's a good guy by any stretch i don't think anybody who's a head of state for for you know decade plus is, is probably going to be a good guy. That would be a pretty rare thing to happen, a uh, pretty exceptional thing to happen. But um, if you just buy into this supervillain caricature, even then, again, the, the potential for harm, the potential worst-case scenario is nuclear Armageddon, end of human civilization. It, that seems like that should be our, our top priority should be avoiding that. That should be the top priority of every policymaker should be how can we avoid that? And um, and to the people who are just, you know, all in on this thing, you know, again, are, are, are you really are you going to feel comforted when, you know, our cities are getting incinerated that, uh, you know, Russia was wrong and, and it was wrong of them to like annex Kherson or whatever. One of these regions, you know, on the border with Ukraine and everything. Are we going to feel is that going to be some kind of comfort to us that it was their fault or whatever? Um, or do we just maybe it's the best idea to try to avoid um conflict of that scale. Uh, it, so. it, they should be trying to de-escalate and they're not even trying. The only negotiation the U.S. State Department and the White House has done with Russia was over that athlete to get caught with drugs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, like, I that's what they're, Is that more the important time, than avoiding nuclear war? 
Well, you know, like I said, I think these guys live in a world where they think they can get away with anything. They, they Like, again, they thought that the consequences of every other intervention was going to be something different than it was. So they've been wrong every time, basically. And um, and, a, and a great book, if people want to learn about, you know, particularly a bunch of this stuff, uh, to anybody out there, uh, Enough Already by Scott Horton, as Enough Already, The Time to End the War on Terror by Scott Horton, you know, really goes over a lot of this stuff over the last few decades, especially. Um Hey, there you go. There just you keep talking. No, keep talking. I'm just going to hold it up so people see the cover. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so people understand, you know, they, they've just, it's been a disaster, man. It's been a disaster. And so um, for us, you know, we need to recognize, uh, you know, the potential for disaster. And like we're saying right here, uh, you know, Secretary of State Blinken, literally the only time since the invasion that he has talked to his Russian counterpart, uh, Foreign Minister Lavrov, the only time he's talked to him, has been about trying to get Brittany Griner released. So they refuse to talk to him about de-escalating the, the conflict in Ukraine, but they will talk to him about trying to uh, get Brittany Griner released. Uh, the, imagine that. The scariest part of that is, do, do they really believe that politically that's better? And what scares me is if they're correct. <laughs> like Maybe that is. <laughs> like, well, you know, I, I don't well, actually no, know. Yeah. Maybe it is. <laughs> People you know, are worried it, about that. It's an unfortunate part of human nature. I think it's this sort of, weird um rally around you know what they talk about the rally around the flag effect um you know when bush went into iraq uh again there was a lot of lies around it but there's always a lot of lies around any one of these things um you know they there was a whole bunch of support and and bush was riding high on 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 that support at the time and so it's you know it's it's tricky man they're they're very good at the propaganda and so yeah, uh, I'm, hopeful, like I said, I'm hopeful. Like I said at the beginning, man, I, I'm so hopeful about um, you know the the decline in trust in the in the old mainstream media, legacy media, regime media, and, and the rise of more and more alternatives where people, you know, even if they're not necessarily you know aligned with me and don't necessarily have all the same ideas, but at least they're a little more critical thinking, and at least they're not you know just bold faced lying to people. You know, I when I see people talk about you know. Uh, in particular, obviously, Joe Rogan is being one of like the biggest podcasters out there and everything. They talk about it and he and talk about like when he has Dave Smith on and they're talking about some of this stuff and people get like, oh, why is he talking to a comedian in this? And that's like, look, man, um, people have lost trust in in journalists and mainstream media. OK, and, and here's what it boils down to. Look, these guys may not be the, the, the top experts in the world on something, but what difference does it make if you have the top expert in the world on something and you think he's lying to you? OK. You can have all the experience and all the knowledge in the world, but if I think you're lying to me and you're coming at me with an agenda, well, what's the point? So at a bare minimum where we've got the alternative voices and we've got a little bit of honesty and, and something people can believe, and I'm hopeful that we can kind of break through that propaganda and, and bring some common sense to this. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's a no-brainer to me that it's going to be the most important thing because, yeah, like you said, uh, if, if the world gets nuked and, and human civilization is wiped out, you know, that'd be the scenario where the Federal Reserve doesn't really matter anymore. And the, and the uh, you know, the fiat dollar no. versus alternatives, no. it doesn't really matter at that point. But uh, I'm, I'm praying and hoping we don't get there. Um, so, uh, and I, I, I like that when I, what you I mentioned really when I wrote the promotion for this and I sent it to, to, to you, uh, you replied like, oh, and put peace first. I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah, that's right. Because sound money isn't first, you know, yeah. <laughs> because it won't matter. Um, I mean, it's important. Yeah, that's, that's, you know, 
you know, the, the oh, it's important. Yeah, no, I'm not saying that. And yeah, I just no, reiterate to everybody listening, um, you said it, and I, I'm the same way. Like, none of this is support for Putin. Like, you can yeah. think it's possible to simultaneously think Putin shouldn't be doing what he's doing, and he's a bad guy. And yeah. we, United States government shouldn't be doing what they're doing, and we shouldn't be sending, you know, $65 billion in printed or taxpayer money, I don't know which, and yeah. weapons to Ukraine. Like, all we're doing yeah. is egging this whole thing on. Um, well, and, so and it, it's a, it's a false dichotomy to be claiming that to even say anything that maybe we shouldn't invade Iraq, maybe we shouldn't have invaded Afghanistan, maybe we should leave well, Europe to the Europeans. That isn't support for Putin. Well, you know that was the thing, man. If you were if you were against going into Afghanistan, you know, you're a terrorist sympathizer. If you're uh, or at least going against the the Taliban, if you're uh, go against going into Iraq, well, you're pro Saddam and and now this and that. Uh, that's that's how the propaganda works, and unfortunately, you know, it doesn't leave any room for for sort of nuance. But yeah, this is the thing. I think a lot of us, our perception of conflicts and wars, especially, um, so ingrained in us by media. And uh, in, in particular, the, the extreme emphasis on history of worldview. You know, they want to really draw these clear lines and say, these are the good guys and these are the bad guys. When I think in the reality, most cases, in most wars, they're all bad guys. You they're know? all bad guys. <laughs> you know, at least the people in charge, I would say. You know, obviously the, the grunt, you know, soldier who, who's, who's going through the mud and, and actually Carrying weapons, taking shots. Most of the time, those guys are, were young, idealistic, assuming they volunteered and they weren't conscripted. I'm I'm looking at some comments. Yeah, your audio is breaking up for me and Carter too, and uh, getting an echo. Uh, G Man, one of our regular listeners, posted that the uh, the WEF has found us. So yeah, Klaus Schwab found out about this conversation apparently. So, uh, as a top issue, what what Dennis is saying there, um, avoiding nuclear war with Russia has to be pretty high on the list. Um, worrying about an athlete that got caught with recreational drugs in Russia is not the top priority of the U.S. and Russian State Department, which is what they've, they've been doing. So all of these intervention wars have been the same effect, and none of them, none of them are working. The whole thing's ludicrous. So we need to take this... We need, we need to take this off their table, and that's the reason for libertarian is if that's the way, that's we should do it. Um, yeah, I agree. The number one issue you look at look at Ukraine. Uh, I'll just continue on that topic for another minute or two. Um, the U.S. has been egging on Putin since at least 2014, when the uh, CIA and the U.S. State Department orchestrated a coup, overthrow the Yanukovych government. Uh, the president, the elected president, escaped in a helicopter while they had a diversionary car leaving his residence with snipers shooting at him. CIA trained snipers, by the way. Um, that's the kind of stuff the U.S. has been doing in Ukraine. That's since 2014. If you want to back up to 1991, uh, when the Cold War ended, they should have ended NATO. But they didn't. What they did is encourage them, expand NATO. Uh, they promised. Gorbachev, that they would never expand the, the line east of the east-west Berlin line, like NATO would not expand it east. And then ever since then, every single American president since then has helped, condoned, assisted, encouraged expansion of NATO. And now we have missiles, you know, 
capable of reaching Moscow in a very short time in, in several border countries. Um, and the concept that, as Dennis brought up, that this was not a, um, a intentional, like that this was not egging on Russia as at a minimum, uh, that's ridiculous. This this whole thing that CNN and all the mainstream media came out with the unprovoked attack, that's bogus. Like we should just be calling them out. That only applies to people whose memory doesn't go beyond February 23rd or 24th, whenever this started of this year. Um, we have This war started at least in 2014. The U.S. has been involved in it since then. And I think you can look at it. It started in 1991 when they started expanding NATO. So Dennis, Dennis dropped off the link. I think he's resetting his stuff. As he said that um, he's, a, he's a software engineer. Um, and one of the things that you find in these uh, conversations is, is that in the, in the politics, that people who have been in political arena their whole careers, uh, pretty much all of them have no clue. So having somebody that's a, you know, been a high school teacher and an engineer that is solid on all these principles, that's who I want to see trying to fix something from the inside. And Dennis is back. You're back on. Yeah. Let's see if it's, uh, let's see if it's working any better. If not, I'll maybe I'll take a little quicker, uh, try to see if I can do quickly to get around and maybe improve it somehow. But um, no, yeah, this is one of those things, you know, and, and campaigning is certainly challenged, not just with limited resources, but also I'll, I'll be honest, you know, I, I'm not a pro at this. I, I, I formulated public office at a very low level uh, back in November 2016. But, you know, this sort of thing is a different animal and there, there's things that, you know, maybe sort of unforced errors where it's sort of difficult and not being able to get out everywhere. But, you know, part of that is, is a reflection of the fact that, you know, I'm not one of these guys who has lived to, to get power. You know, the, the people who are in politics, unfortunately politics is so dominated by this because the power in government attracts people who want the power and want to abuse that power. And so those guys are willing to do everything and they dedicate their lives to it. And that's not me, you know, unfortunately, uh, or for better, you know, but that's not who you want to have power. You want to have somebody who's who's a normal person, I think, uh, at least relatively normal. I can't say I'm too normal. Uh, but, you know, the um, but the idea that, uh, you know, and, and unfortunately, just the way that it is, the people who are willing to do everything to get elected, oftentimes the people we really don't want to have because those ones that are just committed to and it's their life's work to try to get power. Um, and we can certainly see that with both of our uh, both of our big two party options. You know, one of them uh, is, is pretty much a lifelong politician in Rubio. And on the other side, you have Val Demings, who, you know, has been a politician for a good bit of time. And, and prior to that was what a uh, long time still government employee in terms of uh, working in police, which is another thing that attracts people who want power because you have power as a police officer. Um, you know, and, and I, I don't know necessarily her motivations when she first got into it, but certainly that's the case. And we see that where you see police abuses um, in communities, you, you can kind of get the sense of this. And it's something that's observable, you know, where you have power and particularly when government positions that have power, it attracts people who want power and who are, you know, willing to who, who want to use that power and, and are willing to abuse that power. Yeah. And that's, um, and yeah, you sound better. I'm getting an occasional cutout, but it's easy to follow what you're saying. Um, and if I have any problem, maybe we'll take your video out and just use audio, but, uh, this sounds better, whatever you did. So, um, 
the the power hungry yeah it's Val Deming she was chief of police right of a of a major city that's a power usually a power position um so let the um to fix DC from the inside and I applaud you for thinking about trying this um so I you know one of the questions I just wrote kind of in general like why run for office uh for a national election and I'm not saying like I to me like sheriff school board yeah, town, you know, county council, very important elections. So um, as far as running for office, uh, I love your story uh, that goes back to, you know, taking action on, you know, the, the people leaving Cuba and coming here and taking action. You want to tell that story? I think that's an awesome story. Dennis, we're not hearing audio. Okay, why well, we're having these technical difficulties here, I'm going to. Yeah, I still can't hear you, Dennis. I'm gonna I'm gonna show a uh, screen here. Um, this is Dennis's webpage. So if you want to follow uh, Dennis's campaign, maybe contribute to the campaign. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff in here. So uh, go to this website here. It's uh, missagoy.com. Um, this is the homepage. We'll put the link in the comments. And uh, uh, the one one of the uh, more recent. Uh, media that's in the home let me show this in home uh, i love this uh, article he wrote that now is the time so this is what he brought up with this take action comment um you know as he was starting to touch on like it's time to take action so i encourage everybody to read this we'll post this link in here uh, and watch the seven minute video here he has at the uh, florida libertarian uh convention um he nails it about why we should go in, why should we do something, how much longer are you going to wait, and provides a good analogy from from the founders. If uh, you know th this idea of not voting libertarian because you have to wait until we're a more equal footing, like what would happen if in 1776 the people said, "Well, you know, we really should like just let the king send General Gage's troops over to Lexington Concord and take our arms and we should petition the king to support the right to keep and bear arms. Like we would still be British citizens if that's what that was going on then. So I'm going to pop Dennis back in and see what happens here. So can we hear you? No, no, I don't hear. No, I don't hear you. So I think I'll keep talking about your website because there is a ton of stuff here I could go into. Um, he's got a section here on issues. So if you go into here, uh, the one we talked about, this is the big one, uh, as, uh, as he pointed out, um, if we enter into a worldwide nuclear war or which could happen by just using low yield, quote unquote, low yield, um, battlefield nukes, uh, none of these other policies matter. So that's an important one. And that's one that both a Democrat and Republican in this particular case aren't really talking about like the pro pro war and the majority of Senate and house are too. I, I, I kind of miss the old Democrat party when they would let, let uh, the, the, the anti-war Democrat party. Um, but you got to go back to the sixties for that. Uh, the new party is all in it. Like, uh, like Dennis was talking about Hillary Clinton is, just as much a part of the pro-war party as George Bush was. Um, and she had her own wars he started. And then we got uh, Barack Obama, who's has 
he started more wars than any president in U.S. history so far. Um, that's the uh, the peace candidate. Like that's not the Democrat Party we have now. So if you're going to vote in this particular race in Florida and in a lot of other elections around the United States, if you want to vote for peace, um, the Republican and Democrat mainstream candidate are not the way to go. Uh, so another issue uh, Dennis has been really solid on this campaign is monetary policy and on. So we could put this sound money as kind of a second, second issue. Like, um, so this is assuming we managed to well down. Yeah. Yeah. But here you good. All right. All right. I just started um, getting into monetary policy. So I was showing your website here. So I'll just leave that yeah. up. If you want to talk about that? Let's sure, bring sure. that up. Next. I'd like to run through like a bunch of other issues. Um, yeah. So we yeah, talked uh, about the biggest. I don't know if you wanted to. Um, uh, I mean, just backtracking a little bit. I mean, people can go watch the other video and talk about it. But the the, the story that uh, that Keith was mentioning was, you know, basically, you know, pretty soon after Fidel Castro took power, you know, my mom, my mother would always tell me this story about, you know, um, she's sitting, you know, her and, and her father sitting in the living room and, you know, uh, for for those not familiar with this, Castro really liked to talk and give these ridiculously long speeches and everything. And so uh, one of the things that, you know, and, and this is particularly early on. So this is before he really, you know, went all in on uh, getting together with the Soviet Union. This is really early after we're talking like 1959, 1960. And, uh, you know, he was talking about something. And my mother would talk specifically about what he said. And, you know, my grandfather just got up out of his chair and he's like, this guy's a communist and we just we got to get out of here. And he didn't hesitate. Uh, this is what I was talking about in that speech is that he took decisive action. You know, he picked up and left everything from his home country uh, and did what he needed to do to get himself, his wife and his two kids uh, out of there. At the time they left, you could still take a ferry boat from uh, from Havana to Key West. And that's what they did. That's how they left. And, um, you know, he took decisive action and it, and it changed the course of history for my family. It, it made it possible for for me to exist and for for the life that we've had. Um, you know, a lot of people who, who didn't take decisive action at that time, you know, had a much harder time. And you see um, what you've seen in the decades since people trying to leave Cuba, you know, in particular, what you've seen with people having to leave in rafts and in the dead at night and, and these really terrible conditions and very dangerous. And so but he was able to do this because he didn't hesitate. He just took action. And uh, similarly, when we talk about the revolution and uh, in this country and we talk about, you know, the foundation of it, you know, everybody knew that change wasn't going to happen overnight. It wasn't going to be quick. Uh, but it was a whole bunch of people who who found the resolve to take decisive action. I think uh, if we want to change things today for our nation, uh, if we want to get ourselves on the right track, we have to have the courage to take decisive action now. We, we can't hesitate. We can't say, gosh, you know, let's wait for, for things to be a little fair or a little more even and, and a little easier time. No, no, we are we, we need to have the courage. We need to be brave enough to just step up, man, and and, um, and not accept what we've been given. You know, we're not going to be petitioning the crown and say, you know, let's work within the establishment and, and you know, change it from the inside. No, no, we, we need to be willing to let's um, let, let's break through this thing, man. Let's not tolerate it anymore because the longer we do, the more this is going to continue. All right. I know you wanted to get through policy. So let's talk policy, uh, monetary policy. Look, we're, we're over nine percent inflation. And that's just officially everybody who's buying their groceries week after week. They know that. Uh, the, the, those prices have gone up more than 9%. Even where gasoline, they've tried to offset it a little bit by, you know, the strategic reserves and this and that in order to at least get it down ahead of uh, midterm elections. You know, e even that is still 
more than 9% up from what it was. So we've got to be honest about you know, the effect here. And, and, and how did we get here? Again, the Federal Reserve printing trillions of dollars to, uh, for a lot of the COVID spending, you know, the CARES Act, over $2 trillion uh, just there in 2020, along with another $4 trillion that the Fed injected themselves out of thin air. Um, that plus just the overall history of the Federal Reserve. And, you know, since 1913, when the Fed came into existence, the dollar has lost 94% of its value. Uh, the, the summary of this whole situation and what we observe is that uh, you cannot trust a go- you cannot trust the government and you cannot trust the adjacent central bank with control of the money supply. Money is too important. And, and sometimes people say, oh, you just why do you care so much about money? Look, money is one half of every transaction. OK, it is how the economy functions and the economy is not just about money. The economy is about the allocation of resources in our society. How are we going to allocate you know, all the things that we have and produce and that come from overseas, the way we allocate it is through a uh, voluntary exchange, or at least that's the way we should, you know, we certainly don't want to have it done through central authority because, uh, you know, that's, that's an absolute disaster. So, uh, so you want to have an economy working. What do we do? We have a free market, we have free exchange. So the answer with, with, uh, with money, you want to have sound money. Well, how are we going to have, it? we're not going to get it from the government. Uh, you know, the constitution, doesn't authorize a central bank, and we can go deeper into that. But the uh, but uh, but the point is, is that what's our answer to this problem? Our answer to this problem is a free market when it comes to currency. Is a is a what I the term I like to use is monetary freedom, sound money through monetary freedom. Uh, we get rid of those restrictions and and the barriers so that people can use whatever it is they want to use as a medium of exchange. If that's going to be a currency that is backed by gold and silver, uh, which is something the Constitution does authorize. Uh, it does authorize Congress to at least set a uniform set of measures for coining money uh, to regulate the value of that, not not for fiat currency that is based on nothing. Um, additionally, uh, we, we have modern technology, modern options. You have cryptocurrency, in particular Bitcoin. So let the market decide. Let the market decide what is the right answer to use as an as a acceptable medium of exchange. And it may be the, the answer may end up being more than one thing. It may not be one simple solution. It may be that for like a big purchase, like you're buying a house or something, maybe you are paying for it in some kind of currency that is, you know, backed by gold or silver or some other precious metal. Maybe on your day-to-day transactions, you're, you're using Bitcoin or some other cryptocurrency. Who, who knows what the answer is? But the point is, is that there's no central authority that can do it. Uh, we can't, we certainly cannot trust them because they will always abuse. It, it is guaranteed um, because it facilitates their agenda. So much of the, the inflation has been driven by, you know, trying to cover the bad government spending. And so uh, the out of control government spending that they can never tax you enough for. So um, so we've got to get away from that. And 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 that's that's what monetary freedom and my approach to sound money is all about. So uh, let's go down the line. <laughs> yeah, go down the line. But you just close that one out. You would end the Fed, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I would audit the Fed and end the Fed because not just ending it, but I, but we need to know what's been going on behind the, the, the taxpayer um, and, and everybody who's been holding dollars all this time. We deserve to know the truth about what was in there, not just, uh, you know, as much as we'd love to torch the place, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah. figuratively speaking. Um, I want to I want to be clear about that as much as we want to see, you know, it ended and, and it does need to end. Um, repeal the Federal Reserve Act and and just shut it down. It was created by the federal government. It should be dismantled by the federal government, and um, and cease to exist. But uh, but but we should also get to know what was going on behind closed doors. So um, and it would have to be a transition. Like you'd have to have a plan on how you change from yeah. the central bank. But yeah, and the Fed. I uh, don't think I even need to ask the question, but I'm sure I would <laughs> think you're opposed to the central bank 
digital currency. Absolutely. That, you know, Bank of England yeah, well, is well, maybe doing and our our Federal Reserve might do. Well, and 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 uh, well, and and let's be clear about this: the Constitution does not authorize this. The Constitution does not authorize the creation of a central bank. It doesn't authorize fiat currency. Um, you know what it says about money? It talks about coining money. Congress has the ability, has the power to coin money. That's very specific. You're talking about you know precious metals being made into money and regulating the value thereof. We're talking about you know uh, consistent weights and measures. You know how much how much silver is in a dollar? You know as it, as it used to be. Uh, not what we have now. So what we have now is not consistent with the Constitution. That's another reason why. If for no other reason, even if you don't share my views on this stuff, look, if these guys are going to swear an oath to uphold and defend the Constitution, well, you got to uphold and defend the Constitution. The Constitution does not authorize this. And so uh, I think it's incredibly important. All right, I'll, uh, I'm going to run down my list quick. So how about like three-letter agencies, executive branch? So I'll just throw out a couple. The CIA, the FBI, Department of Education. What do you think of them? <laughs> okay, done. Yeah, right we probably don't but, need to have but, to talk about it. Well, I'll, I'll say this. Look, Go, ahead. Um, Go for it. You know, the, the CIA has wrought all kind of havoc abroad that has come home to roost and caused all kind of problems. The FBI in particular, and it's gotten in the news a bit, you know, with them going after a, former, a certain former president recently. But look, man, even before that, like what they've been doing the last two decades, and, and they've kind of expanded out a little bit. But in particular, they were doing targeted Muslim communities. You know, they were going and infiltrating these communities. Uh, finding, you know, impressionable youth and the like, uh, radicalizing these guys and then entrapping them in manufactured terrorist plots in order to, uh, you know, to to pump up their counterterrorism numbers. It, it, it's absolutely inexcusable. And, and everybody turned a blind eye. I shouldn't say everybody, but a lot of people turned a blind eye because they just thought, well, it's the terrorists and it's the Muslims and this and that. And then they started doing it to other people. And you saw like with the Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping plot um, and probably stuff that happened with uh, with January 6th as well. Um, where, you know, nobody wants to tell us whether Ray Epps is a federal agent or not. Um, you know, we just have a lot of patsies getting arrested. Um, and it, it's, you know, it's just a political dog and pony show. And so the, um, so yeah, no, the, the FBI has got to go. And it's been corrupt from the beginning, man. I mean, you go back to January yeah. or who base and they're trying to blackmail, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. into committing suicide or going after Fred Hampton, all these guys, you know, the civil rights leaders. You know, this is this is this has been corrupt from the beginning. It's not like it 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 recently changed to something bad. Um, you know, in the last couple decades or something, or in the last few years, this has been you know corrupt to the core from day one, uh, and, and has not changed to the present. It was never a purging. There was never a come to Jesus moment. Um, you can think maybe hey maybe there's room for like what we see in the media is like oh this is what the FBI looks like in movies. Maybe there's some room for that in the real world. But you got to purge the old man. You got to get rid of that. Um, so yeah, it's it's possible there's a few good guys in the FBI. I'll For sure. as a benefit of the doubt, there's probably are some, and maybe sure. there's even some things they're doing that are useful. I mean, nothing yeah. authorizes a police force from DC. So yeah. I, I would say, well, it's possible you break up the FBI, close it, and you take if there's some assets, a few people, maybe a few things they do, and distribute it to the states where it should be anyway. Yeah, um, that's how I would break it up. So, uh, and Department of Education, I th I I listed that one because you were a school, your high school teacher for four years. Look, look, look. Let me tell you, I I taught high school. I was a substitute teacher, also a little bit before and after that. Um, I I worked in education for a little bit. Look, I, I never had anything that I would have considered help coming from the federal government. Um, so why was all this money being go? It's just a misallocation of resources, you know. Um, I I, I saw the statistic pretty recently, you know. 
Um, I mean, we all know about the fact that, you know, since the Department of Education has come into existence, um, since that happened, uh, you know, American U.S. performance academically has just declined overall, you know, to, to a pretty significant degree. Our, our standing in the world has declined. Um, but also another thing was the fact that, like, pay for, like, administrative staff and everything has increased, I don't know, like, some, like, 600-something percent. Those are not people that are in the classroom. And no offense to the little guys who work as administrators and these other supporting functions in the schools uh, and the school boards and everything else. But look, if you're not actually – like, when people think about spending money on education, they think about – uh, the people in the classroom, this, the supplies and the support system that helps the students learn. Um, and that's, again, still functioning within the kind of public school framework here. But, uh, but that ain't the federal government. It's not authorized by the Constitution, and it has certainly not been a net positive. It has been a net negative for education in this country. And so uh, there's no good argument for keeping it. Okay, that's good. All right. Uh, how about the right to keep and bear arms? Shall not be infringed. Um, you know, That's it's actually like all, funny. All federal <laughs> you know, legislation is unconstitutional. It's absolutely. A state I, I, if 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 I had the the means, you know, I'd be trying to look at a nationwide constitutional carry because it it is in the it's constitutional. You know, it's in the constitution. So why don't we just recognize and follow the constitution? Uh, it seems so simple to me. Uh, and instead, you've got, you know, Marco Rubio even, uh, you know, proudly declaring, you know, how he's supported and, and sponsored legislation to try to push red flag laws nationwide um, and everything that comes along with that. The, uh, you know, what we've accepted in terms of and I, and I want to call this out just because uh, it, it irked me recently. Uh, I, I Somebody had posted the voter's guide from uh, Gun Owners of America. Now, I knew the NRA was kind of just a wing of the Republican Party. I, I know that already. Uh, I thought a little bit better of Gun Owners of America. And then I saw their voter guide and they have uh, and I completed a questionnaire for them. You know, like they have a candidate questionnaire for federal office. And I, I, I filled that out. I gave them my answers. And uh, and when you look at their voter guide, they only have Marco Rubio and Val Demings. And I'd be surprised if Val Demings actually fill out their survey. Uh, but they gave her a rating of F and they gave Marco Rubio, again, supporter of red flag laws and A minus. And, uh, and I'm not and I'm nowhere to be found and I'm nowhere to be found on there. And so I, I've tried to call that out a little bit. And uh, it's disappointing. It's disappointing to see because, you know, the Second Amendment should have advocates that aren't, you know, just sitting in this sort of partisan bubble and, and just supporting the uh, the status quo. But unfortunately, like I say, going back to what we talked about earlier, there's a lot of fear. And what we need is not fear. We need courage to be able to break away from the establishment and not just tolerate it, but to, to say no to it and to um, cast the vote against it. At yeah, a to, bare say minimum. Mark, to say uh, Marco Rubio is an A minus, like what, what is an A to them? <laughs> like, I don't even understand it. There's not, there's no room for someone who believes in both the second amendment and the, the Florida constitution, article one, section eight, which basically says mm -hmm. the same thing, except that they can regulate how carry is done. So, mm -hmm. um, I, I mean, he's against both of that. So yeah. how do you get an A minus? Uh, That's an A minus for gun owners. Yeah, no. And the NRA, I'm familiar with the NRA. I, th I think you might have seen my tweet. It's a, I didn't make it up. It's a Michael Bolden quote from the Tenth Amendment Center, but I thought it was hilarious and wrote it down. He said that the, N the NRA is the most effective gun control organization in American history, uh, which I, it's actually true. Unfortunately, even though they're good, and you know, I don't, I think every people that are trying to help things, I don't go up. They can do it by different ways, and I'm not. I'm actually, I'm a, uh, I have the NRA range safety officer 
certification <laughs> and I just took the I took the Florida um so DNG so license armed security that's that's an NRA like so yeah. sort of they do do good some good training like so, that's cool so that's that's a uh, that's a distinction worth making and it's something I've heard other people make the point about is that you know the NRA is more than one thing I, I'm speaking uh, of the political yeah. wing you know because there are other things you do like you mentioned um that 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 certainly have value and sure. and look I I'm I you know, the, there's there's plenty of positive rhetoric, but just the same way with Republic with the Republican Party occasionally, I'll, I'll hear some very positive rhetoric, but then what the policy is once they get into office doesn't really match up with that. Again, I, I go back to my own experience of, you know, looking at when uh, the the eight years that Bush was in office and what did the Republicans do? They had mm-hmm. both houses of Congress for six of those eight years, and what did they do? Um, so it just doesn't match up. So uh, and that goes obviously beyond the Second Amendment. But the Second Amendment is a great example, certainly here in Florida as well, where we've got red flag laws, where we've got, you know, some other restrictions that have been put in, particularly in the last few years. And you got uh, Governor DeSantis going saying, well, hey, I'll I'll, uh, I'll sign constitutional carry if it comes to my desk. And, you know, but uh, but it doesn't. But you know what, man, when, they're, when they want to go after Disney and, you know, uh, collapse, a re- um, mm-hmm. excuse me, like abolish a Reed Creek uh, improvement district, man, they, they're motivated for that. That one's a priority. But uh, but constitutional carry, maybe maybe if maybe if it gets here, so um, certainly each state should do it. Yeah, the state should do it. I I support Florida doing it. Um, it's really all Florida has to do is follow the Florida Constitution. They don't actually have to change anything. Well, you know, I, like like I say, you know, obviously I'm running at the national level, but you know, all we got to do if we just follow the Constitution, man, we would avoid so many issues. All this all this foreign interventionism. If we just followed the Constitution, you know, Congress declare war. We haven't declared war since World War II. Boom. Because uh, if we had to, if we had to have that debate, I don't think it would go the way it's been going. Um, you know, it, if, it, we, I, if we stuck to the Constitution, we could avoid so much of these issues. I still consider this, uh, you know, though it's a state question, when I talk about it at the national level, I think the national position should be that it's up to the states. And mm-hmm. that Florida has it in its Constitution yeah. that you can carry. Uh, yeah, the, the the Florida Concealed Carry Program, as easy as it is to get it, there's like a little bit of training and it's not hard to get. Um, mm-hmm. But the and and the background investigation like a lot of people argue that's good but all they have to do is follow the florida constitution all right i'll bless for a few more how about the uh, war on drugs war on poverty war on terror war on us <laughs> uh well you know uh, you know all those kind of things you know when you talk about like war on war on drugs or, or some of these other things you know again it's not like they're putting bullets into you know kilos of cocaine or something you know there's a war on people okay um all the people who are involved in this. Now, look, um, there's a principled argument against it, uh, which is just, you know, you have the right to put in whatever in your body and you have the right to your property. So if you want to grow a plant in your house or on your property, it ain't the government business. And that's the principled argument. If you want to just talk strictly on principles of individual liberty, you know, your li- your right to your life, liberty and property and government doesn't have any right to infringe upon those. If you're not infringing on the rights of anyone else, you know, uh, producing a substance, selling it to somebody who wants to buy it or consuming it, None of that violates the third party's basic rights. Um, but also you got to look at the harm that it does. And, and, and the harm is incalculable. Um, we, we, enri- we create a lucrative black market that enriches organized crime, sets up shop in marginalized communities and poor communities. Uh, innocent people get killed in the crossfire of turf wars. And on top of that, the drugs themselves become more dangerous because what's the incentive in the black market? It's not to make a product that people choose, but 
you know, is, is just to get it through and, and smuggle it through. So there's an incentive to create stuff that's more potent, more dangerous. Uh, you're, you're cutting this stuff. It's like, you know, you look at the days of bootlegging uh, alcohol prohibition. You know, they weren't selling light beer back then. You know, it was a, it was bathtub moonshine and the like. And, um, and, and it was, again, more dangerous. And so, um, you know, when I hear ridiculous statements like Marco Rubio saying, oh, he was against marijuana legalization at the federal level because black market weed is laced with fentanyl. Um, so the solution, because black market weed is laced with fentanyl, let's make sure that all marijuana is on the black market, that all cannabis is on the black market. So it just it makes absolutely no sense. The policy we have. And even if you don't agree with me on any of the things I just said and you or you don't acknowledge it or whatever, at, at a bare minimum, think about this. We've been on this policy for what the last half century, and it's failed. We can't even keep drugs out of prison, man. And you can try and keep them out of the country. We can't keep them out of prison. Uh, Good point. So, uh, at some point, you got to recognize that the policy's failed. The policy doesn't work. At some point, wh- when do you say we got to reconsider and just not keep banging our head against the wall with the same failed policy that only makes things worse? And that's what we've been doing with the war on drugs. It's got to end. Uh, war on poverty. You know, look, I don't think you need government intervention to to deal with poverty. I think you need to end the government intervention that is exacerbating and, and trapping people into poverty. Uh, people, you have to believe in people. That people have the capacity to bring themselves out of their situation um, to be successful. But you, you've got to allow them the means. Look, and, and other guys have talked about this more more at length. But if you want to look at the places where the masses have gotten out of poverty, uh, out of extreme poverty in particular. And, and done so at the quickest pace. It's always been at times and places where they've been free market reforms, where there's been an expansion of individual rights, uh, economic freedom, private property rights. Um, that, that's that's when it's happened. And and even even when you talk about communist China in you know the last fifty years, you know what happened? It was after um, after Mao was gone, and uh, uh, gosh. Uh, was it Deng? I think it came in after him. Uh, Deng and, and then Z. And, and so they, 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 what they do, they, they opened up some of the markets and they, they got, they allowed foreign investment to come in and they built an economy. Um, you know, and that's not to say they got away from all the bad things that they do. They, they haven't. Uh, obviously, there, there's still a lot of problems there, and and you see the same thing in other countries. And and again, it's not just limited to dictatorships and whatever. You know, India for so long was still. You know, even they had a democracy they inherited from the British after they got independence, but they were still overwhelmingly socialist for decades and decades and their economy was stagnant. And they've seen a lot of economic growth in the last few decades after making some reforms beginning in like the early 90s um, to protect a little more private property and and to to take some steps to do some of these things. And so um, and certainly you look at the four Asian tigers and there's so many examples of this. You want to get people out of poverty, give them freedom, Uh, free people find a way to prosper. Um, because what you do is, uh, it, it allows the market to find an efficient path. And sometimes we worry about this and we worry about, you know, a race to the bottom, but with, if wages are going down and this and that, the reality is, is that if we can get an economy that's more efficient, it delivers goods and services at lower cost. That means, um, that makes a, a higher standard of living more accessible to more people. And that's what's happened historically. And so it'll continue to happen. Uh, but we have to recognize that government isn't the answer here. Um, it's a price coordinated economy that will deliver the best results for people. And, and that is going to give the greatest number of people the greatest uh, possibility of getting out of poverty. Um, I'm trying to think what was the other one. War that's, on terror. That's how flu- we, we yeah, the war on terror. Policy, right? 
Yeah, uh, we, we, we got I mean, through that. And... It's it's a disaster. Um, it, we're we're creating terror, and in fact, you know, it's, it's been the war for terror in most cases where we've been, you know, like in Yemen in particular, we've been fighting on the side of Al Qaeda. In, in Syria, we were helping, you know, other extremist groups. What was it? Uh, Jabhat al, al Nusra. Uh, you know, all, all these kind of crazy groups. We've been on the side of like Al Qaeda and these guys. I mean, and, and going back to Afghanistan in the 1980s, in a sense. Um, you know, we have uh, more often than not, we've been actually the ones pushing this thing. And it's it's the U.S. interventionism um, more really for serving the goals of our, quote unquote, allies in the region rather than it is really about defending America. Uh, it, it needs to end. Even if you don't agree with me on all that other point, we just can't afford it. We're 31 trillion in debt. Um, bring them all home man. bring them all home. Yeah. Um, want to touch on basically like the whole accountability topic of, you know, transparency, accountability. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So this, this is a nice one and not one I, uh, we don't get to talk about enough. And this is real simple looking and we can think of all these examples. I don't know if you saw this news story pretty recently that was about a, um, gosh, what's the word I'm looking for? The, uh, that they had, they were developing like a, a super deadly strain of COVID in some lab oh, in Boston. Gain, yeah, the gain of function research, a you know, new one. It's like 80% death rate in mice. <laughs> so I, I'm just thinking to myself, look, who's paying for this? And it's probably you and me, okay? But the question is this, is who yeah, among man. us, what how, what percentage of American taxpayers, if you knew that your taxes were going to pay for this, would you say yes? I, I don't think it's a very high percentage, okay? Um and this is part of what happens. And you, and this is not a new thing. Look, we go back to like, you know, Tuskegee syphilis experiment and uh, and things like this. The government has done so much dirty, nasty stuff. You remember the thing where they were hearing about with Fauci? I forgot what it was they were testing that they had like, um, what was it? Like the flies eating the beagles heads or something. Um, yeah, yeah, they were they were killing flies, killing beagles by strapping them in a cage and having yeah. flies. I think they were like sedating them. And having like I forget what kind of bugs eat their heads they, or something. Yeah, they, just something they, cut, they cut their vocal cords out so they didn't have to listen to the yelps. Like it, yeah, Fauci, so Fauci funded that. And, he, and, I mean, and, you start with accountability. We need a Nuremberg two and, trial for him. And, well, and 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 um, well, this again to another one, but um, <laughs> but you know, and the funding for Wuhan, you know, for funding for gain of function over there, you know, all this kind of stuff. Um, I I think. Yeah. Again, the solution to so much of this would be if the American people knew what was happening, they would not tolerate it um, if we had transparency. And so, you know, how do you get that? Um, you know, I, for me, I, I think an easy answer is say, look, let's declassify everything. And um, and you can say, well, some things there's going to be like all this uh, – you know, national security stuff, you know, there's a, a agents over in this place and they're undercover. So you don't want to release that while the guy's out there. Okay, fine. I'll give you five years. All right. And, and maybe we'll, we'll, we'll deal something with that, but we can't have this thing where, you know, there's some kind of government program going on. Um, and decades and decades later, maybe we'll find out about it or maybe a whistleblower will come forward. And this is the other thing, man, the whistle, when, when we find all this government wrongdoing and all this stuff like with Snowden and Chelsea Manning, all these people, what, what ends up happening? You know, the only person who gets in trouble is the whistleblower. None of the people who are involved yeah. in, in all the bad stuff, none of them are held accountable. It's it's only the whistleblower. Uh, it, it's mind boggling. Uh, 
you know, and Fauci's still sitting in his office earning 400 plus. He, he's going to just walk out with his retirement. That's probably what's going to happen. I, I hope yeah. if, if a Republican I mean, majority takes over and maybe a couple senators, I think if Rand Paul got on the chair of the uh, the committee that deals with Fauci and you were on that committee, I would like to see that team where, where yeah. you know, it, you, it's not a five minute Q&A you would get with Fauci. Yeah. <laughs> like you get to talk to him for an hour and ask questions. Like, well, I would love and, to see and, that. And I'll, tell you, and I'll tell you how I'd like to um, how I'd like to kind of deal with this sort of this thing. And, and again, this is not even just limited to sort of government stuff. I'll, I'll, I'll give you another example because some of the stuff we're doing right now, um, you know, we have this hyper fixation on the, the January 6th thing. And one of the things that we, we've totally ignored, you know, our Department of Justice, you know, totally ignoring um, uh, the uh, Jeffrey Epstein, you know, Ghislaine Maxwell, you know, wh what was she convicted? 20 years or something, uh, you know, for all this sex trafficking. And, and not a single client charged, okay? Um, not even a name mentioned in court. Not, not even the name thrown out, even the thing officially <laughs> released, much less any of that. So for me, this is real simple. And I, and I and somebody interviewed me about this, and I had a, like my little blurbs in the article. Look, I'd vote against funding the Department of Justice at all. I, get, I, I wouldn't give them a dime unless they step up and start doing their job. Because if they're not going to prosecute these kind of like most heinous crimes, if they're not going to go after like the worst of the worst, and in particular because, you know, some of them are in the government or have been in the government. And if they're not going to go after them, they're not going to hold people accountable. What the hell do we have them for? What are they there for? Um, we've got to be will. And look, this is um, this goes to a lot of this sort of thing where, where I stand on it. Um, look, it, it's not going to be easy to necessarily pass legislation to, you know, I'm going to abolish this department, abolish that department. Maybe, hopefully, ideally, that would be great. But realistically, the one thing we can do um, is if they can't get funding, okay? And, 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 that's, and that's a simple thing, and that has to go through Congress and every no vote that says no, until you do your job, until you step up to do this thing and you have a plan to do it and you're committed to doing it, why, why should Congress be funding, why should the American taxpayer be funding uh, these departments and these agencies that are mixed up in all sorts of nonsense. And then, you know, they're, they're creating the, what was it? The, um, were they the ones with the disinformation governance board? Uh, yeah, um, they, they wanted to create a disinformation. So yeah, what could go wrong? The government defines so, what yeah. disinformation, um, mis, so no, what do they call it? Mis, dis, and mal. MDM, right? Mis, dis, and mal information <laughs> determined by the federal government. Oh yeah. yeah. Let's yeah. see how that who goes. Do you, who do you trust to be honest with you, right? Um, yeah, because because the, the federal government certainly wouldn't like that. I remember seeing a clip, and this obviously this is less relevant to us, but it was I think the prime minister in New Zealand. Um, uh, I forget her name, but you know, talking about no, no, all, if uh, unless it's coming from us and approved sources from us, you know, it's not the truth, and you shouldn't yeah. take it. It's are you for real? Yeah, you know. I, I am mean, the truth. She basically, you know, said the same thing when Fauci said, I am the science. The New Zealand president said, I, or prime minister said, I am the truth. We are the truth. <laughs> what? Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> but I don't think I, New I Zealand has a first that. amendment. So I, I just saw in the comment section, I guess somebody who, who missed kind of the beginning in our first, like really long stretch on this, uh, we got to end the billions to Ukraine. We're, we're, we're exacerbating a bad situation. We're not helping Ukraine. We are using Ukrainians to to try to bleed Russia, uh, and it's got to end. And uh, and and again, even if even if you thought that this was the most noble cause ever, we can't afford it 
So, um, so yeah, I, I want to see a, a de-escalation of the conflict in Russia, the U.S. to do what it can. Obviously, the U.S., I don't think, should and can try to compel uh, the Ukrainians to accept some kind of peace deal. But I think we've actually quite done the opposite. And again, this is a matter of conjecture to people, uh, whether they think Ukraine was uh, negotiating with Russia and had some kind of deal on the table earlier on. And then the U.S., uh, you know, and the West in general, uh, uh, with the message delivered by Boris Johnson, kind of shut that down uh, some months back. But uh, but we need peaceful de-escalation. We, you know, this is uh, an analogy I thought about for this conflict is kind of like, uh, you know, you have, uh, you know, two two guys who, who, you know, person A and person B who used to be friends for a long time. But person A is like much bigger and kind of a bully and started pushing them around. And then what we ended up doing, I don't know, we gave, um, you know, they got into a little bit of a conflict because we were pushing uh, person B to, to, you know, kind of uh, step up and try to start something with them. And then um, they got pushed down and now we're giving him, you know, brass knuckles or something where maybe he would have just backed off and said, look, I, I don't want to keep on with this conflict. We're we're escalating it by 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 feeding this. We're putting fuel on the fire. And look, I'm not saying Russia's uh, guiltless in this. Obviously, Putin's a bad guy. Um, but but our government is run by bad guys, too. And so um, and, and it's the people on the ground over there who are the real victims. I, I don't want to be. I don't want to mince words about this. It's the people who are stuck in the middle of it, but we are not making their situation better by prolonging a conflict. More people die, more of the country gets destroyed. Um, and also more of it being annexed. Now you probably could have gotten a better deal uh, had they made a deal in February or March versus uh, the kind of deal that they're going to get. The kind of deal that could be got uh, that could be achieved now. So, uh, but yeah, we got to stop. We got to back yeah, off. We're- Definitely what Putin has been doing is bad. But you know, I have to look at Putin. It it's uh is it bad to think that he's actually the one that we have to rely on more not to start a nuclear war? Because it does seem that way. Well <laughs> like I'm actually know, hoping Putin doesn't start a nuclear war. Well, uh, yeah, I, I don't no, know if yeah. Biden even knows enough about what he's doing, but uh Putin at least he may be bad, but it, like when I hear him talk, he's like, Okay. I kind of understand where he's going against. It's a good good idea to listen to your enemies and understand where they're yeah, coming from. Absolutely. The the top oh, yeah, three, I'm mean, probably digressing yeah, got, a little, but the, like the top three in charge, we got you know one, two, and three in our government. Actually, and four too. But you got Biden and then Kamala and then Nancy Pelosi, and, and then the Speaker of the House. Like those are the top four. Like are, are these like the best thing we can find to run the government? Are we sending our I mean, best? I, I, I live are in a Washington D.C. Is this what democracy produces? <laughs> I I mean I'm not even yeah. being facetious. I live in a condo. Like mm-hmm. none of those people are qualified to be on the board of directors of our condo. Like uh, the owners here would not allow any of them to be on our board. Like they can't even they couldn't even run a condo competently. They're not competent yeah. enough. That's ridiculous Absolutely. that that's who's that has risen to that point. Anyway, I did digress a little, but yeah, I hope Putin doesn't start a war nuclear yeah. war by even using a small like a really little yeah. really little tiny nuke yeah. <laughs> low, low yield as they call it as as if that's you know like a saying because i don't know how the u.s is going to react to government i mean i think he understands you know what's at stake but at the same time it's like you know it, it's a question of how what are we going to do to push and again, it goes back to my my concern after really looking at our foreign policy the last few decades is how much trust do I have in the foreign policy establishment here to kind of thread that needle and to push as far as they want to without going over the line to get him to feel desperate enough to take that action. Mm-hmm. And that's 
man, it, it might as well be a coin toss. Um, it's, I don't know. It's, man. Crazy. It, 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 it's, uh, it's, it's definitely worrisome. And yeah, somebody made a mention mm-hmm. over here, uh, that, you know, we've sent more money than like Russia's entire, you know, annual defense budget. budget. You yeah, know, they're, it, they're 20. Yep. They're 2021. Yep. Thanks for the comment. Turning on the screw. The Russians 2021 entire military budget for all of their military so like was 65, 65, yep. 66. And we, I think that last vote passed last week, that's 65 billion. So yeah. I looked up yeah, another comparison that uh, last week, cause I did some, I did talk about this. Uh, it's also more than the federal government spent on all roads in all 50 States in the DC last year. Like we've you sent know, more is, guns to Ukraine than all roads everywhere in the United States. Like, do you so think there's a problem a, with some of our roads? Like, like, well, you don't know, worry about a, a thing. You know, when people get upset or, or, or give me some kind of pushback, I'll say, Oh, you're a libertarian. You don't want to pay taxes to pay for infrastructure and stuff like this. Like, look, man, I'm not running on cutting infrastructure. I'm not running on this stuff. Okay. If you want to have a, a discussion and get into like the philosophy of like what makes sense and what's a good idea and whatnot, Okay, we can do that. We can kind of go down the rabbit hole with it. That's not what I'm running on. Um, but but that and that's not the issue. Like, what? Why is it that when we talk about we want to cut spending? Well, it's like, oh, you know, you want to you know let our infrastructure crumble, or you want to you know leave seniors without you know medicine and stuff like that. No, no, I, I want to cut spending on bombing you know people across <laughs> the, the world. Yeah. I want to stop spending on you know funding wars. Um, they just don't need to happen. And again, Ukraine's a little bit different situation, but certainly if you look at American foreign policy of the last two decades, this is what I'm talking about. Um, and maintaining 700 plus military bases across the world. Look, what, what, what's the objective there? Um, it's the pursuit of global hegemony, this idea that we are the, the rulers of the world, that the leaders of the free world. We say it, um, you know, we try to make, try to pre- present it in a, in a certain way, but, you know, and, and we get into this and it's the same thing we do a little bit domestically from the government's perspective of, are we going to allow this? Are we going to give them permission? Are we just going to let it happen? We, we don't rule the world and we don't have power to decide whether something's going to happen. Um, uh, you know, this and that. I say Ukraine's a little bit different situation just because Russia did invade. You know, it wasn't uh, it wasn't like us funding or starting a war like, you know, or like us helping uh, the Saudis begin a war in, in Yemen or, or, you know, intercede into Yemen. So it's a little bit different, um, but it's still something where we need to not be involved. In, and the only involvement we should have, if we're going to have any, should be trying to de-escalate the situation and trying to, uh, you know, the, the only way you save human lives is by stopping the fighting. And so, uh, and, and we seem to be intent on doing the opposite of that. You know, you hear Lindsey Graham out there saying, we give them the weapons, they'll fight to the last person. You know, the, the, we're not really concerned about saving Ukrainian lives out there. So, um, uh, evidently, they're not. That isn't their goal. Uh, yeah, maybe it's maybe it's money. All right. So, are there any other issues? I I can. Uh, are any of the ones you want to highlight? Uh, oh, let's we see. went yeah, through well, a lot. We went through a lot, and I I've already heard enough that I'm pretty sure I could bring up any issue, and I would just be nodding my head. <laughs> but I'm sure if we keep talking and we get down to maybe we get down to like federal funding of highways or something, maybe we'll find something that. But that's like down in the weeds. Like you know, that's so man, far into look, the problem. If, if we like, were, that's if, not what I'm worried that, about. Yeah, no. If, if that was an issue to like really put any kind of focus on, I, I'd be so stoked because that's so far down the list. You know, <laughs> and, and look, I can make the argument and <laughs> say like, true. look, we should we should have toll roads instead of instead of you know t- funding through gasoline taxes and the other sort of stuff. I can make that argument. But gosh, that's so unimportant and so yeah. far down the road. Like I, I wouldn't even touch that. 
until we're, right. you know, we're right. at so least have a same foreign policy and we are, <laughs> you know, not throwing people in prison for growing plants in their houses and kicking in their doors in the middle of the night, um, you know, shooting them up, uh, it, guns drawn and, and all this sort of thing. You know, we got we got so many problems to, to deal with here that um, that stuff like that is, is like a red herring to a certain degree when, when other people try to bring that at us. But, you know, we're we're. Like I say, that 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 alternative because there's like we said at the top of this man there is no voice for these issues and these principles between not just in the two-party system but in my particular race uh, of the five candidates on the ballot there's no other person besides myself who stands on these issues and is committed uh to these positions yeah let's let's talk briefly about them and i was going to ask you a question I'm, I'm paraphrasing one of the other shows on the unsafe space network is called narrative dissonance and they bring on alternative juries journalists and they ask them this question so this is a version of that same question so what's the biggest lie being told by your senate race opponents um i don't know the biggest lie um or misrepresentation you could if you, you know i you know, I, for me, well, I, I guess I would say the biggest re misrepresentation is the idea that the two of them are, you know, represent real opposite sides here. Um, you know, most of the policies that I've mentioned here mm -hmm. um, are not policies that those two are on any sort of opposite sides on. When we talk about, um, you know, the foreign policy spending, both of these two vote for every NDAA. Both of them are, you know, cheerleading on the, have, you know, been big cheerleaders for, you know, anti, you know, the anti-Russian sentiment, the anti-Chinese sentiment, Marco Rubio out here saying, you know, we need a military that's focused on blowing up Chinese aircraft carriers. Mind you, there's only one Chinese <laughs> aircraft carrier, I believe, um, you know, for, for all this idea that China's somehow nipping at our heels, we're, we're, we're outspending them three to one in terms of military spending. So it, it's, it's not realistic, but anyway, um, you know, that's one example, you know, both of them, Obviously, Val Demings comes with the police angle. Marco Rubio has all the police organization endorsements. Mm -hmm. um, and both of them want to brag about and see, well, who's who's more pro-police than I am? And look, I'm not afraid to be the candidate who is uh, wants to end qualified immunity, wants to end civil asset forfeiture, wants to end no-knock raids. Um, so I'm not yes, afraid to be that guy. Neither of them are going to say that. So, yeah, Absolutely it's the same. Not. It's actually that's why I asked it as one question. Um, and and the fact that they won't debate you is, is right in there, right? <laughs> like I've seen that. Well, you know, I mean, it's kind they of don't want to debate court. you because Absolutely they not. want to be in this little echo chamber, right? They're just arguing about, well, you know, it, like it these little things. And they basically agree on everything. So well, I think it, it doesn't it matter. It breaks the illusion. They don't want to talk about some of these things. Uh, and certainly they don't want to talk about it in, in any kind of meaningful context. But they, they want to maintain this illusion that these are your two options. Because as long as you accept that those are your two options, they don't really need to tell you whether policy is good or anything. All they need to do is this. Look, um, if you accept that it's only the two choices, Republican and Democrat, Marco Rubio against Val Demings, if you accept that narrative, then all Marco Rubio has to do is say, look, Val Demings is awful. And it's true. She is awful. And all Val Demings has That's to true. say is, well, Actually, I agree with awful. them. And it's true. <laughs> She's right. He is awful. And that's all they're going to do to win votes. So um, that, that's, the, that's, the, that's the way they present it. And that's the way that the mainstream politics works. And it's, it's very difficult to kind of get past that. And so, you know, I, and I did my best. Uh, we, we organized a debate back on September 15th for folks who were, might have been checking out the website. Um, I've got the, the video highlights of my, uh, my comments there. And if you go from there, you can also on the media page, you can find the link to watch the whole debate if you want to. Um, but I invited everybody who's on the ballot. 
we had one of the guys in the ballet. We actually had a, a write-in also show up and participate. Um, but uh, I invited um, Rubio and Val Demings. Who obviously, we didn't get a response from them. Uh, Not even a response? Not even a decline? Uh, we contact. Yeah, we contacted their teams. They said, uh, you know, they would, you know, leave a message or whatever with like the scheduling on one of them or something. And I don't know. I, I had one of, one of the volunteers reach out to them, and um, so so we did. And 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 on top of that, I, I recorded video messages, posted them on social media. You know, I she was running around with the uh, she had the slogan "Meet the Chief" at that time. I said, "Hey, I'd love to meet the Chief. You know, can I can I meet the Chief? You know, can you come on out and join us?" Um, then on October sixth, there was a, a candidate forum hosted in the in the Keys. In, uh, in Key Largo, and uh, they allowed us to connect remotely even. So it didn't matter if you're campaigning in the Panhandle or wherever, or maybe they're up in D.C. on a vote or something, but they could go and connect. They can go connect and participate. And they weren't there. If the other, if if me and any of the other candidates are there, they're not showing up. So, um, and obviously they're not going to invite me to their party. So, um, you know, it, it's, 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 it's standard operating procedure. It's, it's how the two-party establishment works. They, they maintain an illusion. Um, that this, that these are the two opposite choices. You know, it's, it's the whole thing. And it really grinds my gears. It's, it's a particular uh, pet peeve of mine when people talk about, are you left or are you right? And, and they try to measure the whole thing in this way. Look, man, it's, it literally, it's a one dimensional, um, graph scale that they want to, you know, map the entire, um, uh, the, the scope of human political mm-hmm. thought on. And, and I just, I can't stand it. It drives me nuts to say, are you left or you're right? I'm like, I'm not with any of that, man. My, my, my positions are not matched up to any of these guys. I'm not with that. And so, uh, and it's, it's breaking our, our, uh, breaking out of the way of thinking that is just, you know, has just driven us into the worst possible situations. And that's, that's what I'm trying to help us get out of, man. I, I want people to, uh, free themselves of this, this mentality and this vision. Um, but the biggest thing we got to do is reach them. So, and that's what I'm, I'm out here trying to do. And hopefully uh, one of the things that I I'm encouraged by is at least seeing, uh, and I guess I kind of expected it, but you know, now that uh, early voting has begun, uh, sample ballots went out, mail out ballots went out um, and, and people are voting and people are looking at the ballot. I, I've seen such an uptick in, in traffic on the website and everything. So people are, people are looking into it and I'm hoping, uh, you know, people recognize they do have an alternative. And obviously if somebody's looking, that means that they're at least open to it. They're at least considering, Hey, um, what is this other option? And, uh, so and hope just being aware that you're there. Um, yeah. The other question I was going to ask, uh, and I would answer it myself. Maybe I've done an answer. Like what's the most important topic the opponents are not talking about. It's the same thing. It's that you exist. <laughs> like they want to, <laughs> like, like well, this yeah, whole was- other argument exists. And when you brought up the left, right, question it's it's a silly question i feel that the same people actually on left and right i'm like what what are you talking about same for you <laughs> like you can say it if if you want to make a line like here's left i'm probably not doing yeah. it the, i'm probably doing it backwards but here's left here's right and like you're yeah. over here like left yeah. versus right like what are you talking about well, no, <laughs> it, I, I look at it like this way here's the left here's the right and i'm over here All yeah right? the the, the four the two-dimensional totally libertarian authority I'm, I'm totally off of this thing man because i'm, I'm not with mm-hmm. this stuff and so it's like you know, people just need to hear that there's an option. So when you talk about the issues, man, look, they'll talk a little bit about Ukraine and Russia. And they'll talk about, oh, this is this big conflict and everything. But not. A, but there's not a one of them saying we need to de-escalate. We need to divest. We need to stop getting involved. We need to recognize the mistakes that have got us here. Um, instead, what we got, we got Marco Rubio pro- providing cover. He got a Senate hearing where he's acting, asking Victoria Nuland. I think he thought she was just going to lie to to cover for this. And I think she wasn't quite sure if she could get away with uh, lying under oath. So she's like, 
well, there's some bio. He's like, did, are there any uh, biological, does Ukraine have any biological or chemical weapons? And she's like, well, there's some labs and stuff. You know, that's a really weird answer when you could just say no. If the answer was she no, you could just no. say no. So um, I don't know if people have seen that clip. That was, that was quite a few months ago, yeah. but. Um, and it's not yeah. like Victoria Newland has a problem with lying. Like yeah. for, for people that don't recognize her name, she was the one who was in the phone call in, in 2014, picking the next president after the CIA yeah. ousted the Ukrainian government. And she was yeah. over there handing out cookies when, when yeah. they were like invading, like and her and John Kerry were there. Took from that call was the F the EU. Like that, that was what everybody took from yeah. that call. Um, but yeah, F the no. EU. And and yeah. she's still there, like as far as accountability goes. And and now we got the same Victoria Newland. I see that name now. I'm like, what? Uh, what's she doing now? Yeah, <laughs> I'm just assuming yeah. she's up to no good. Yeah, well, it's all part of the same establishment, and Rubio and Demings are both part of the same establishment. Yeah. So there, there's no voice there to say, look, we need to back off. We need to de-escalate. We need to stop meddling and and creating and and mm -hmm. uh, exacerbating. Or, or or helping to at, at least create the conditions for these kind of conflicts. Um, we need to obviously have sound money. You know, they, they talk a little bit about inflation, but not a peep from either one of them about the Federal Reserve in that debate. Um, like they know. didn't mention it. They don't even mention. It. Uh, well, they talk. They talked about inflation, but they don't talk about the Federal Reserve. I actually got. I got a real big kick out of this. This was like on Twitter, um, but a few months ago. But uh, I I remember in particular Val Demings making a statement that like. The Federal Reserve is our biggest weapon against inflation. I'm just like, what? Uh, no, no. The Federal Reserve is the source of inflation because this is where, you know, money is just being printed out of thin air. Um, and, and if you can't understand wow. that that is an effect, um, it's not a positive effect for people who are just sitting on dollars. It's great for the people who get the new dollars. Don't get me wrong. But for the regular people who aren't connected like that, uh, it's a bad thing, man. And... Um, you know, and that's another part of it. Uh, but they, they're not a peep from them. You know, they, there's no candidate for economic freedom. There's no candidate for free markets. Like I say, for, for all the, the, for all the lip service that the Marco Rubio's and, and other Republicans of, uh, of the country, and in particular here in, here in Florida, they were really successful in the last election, you know, beating the drum about, you know, radical socialists and, and everything. They were just beating that drum with the Democrats and it, they were very successful. They picked up congressional seats and everything here. And they, they were very successful with that. Um, it certainly pushes a lot of buttons with the Hispanic community, uh, at least the one that we have here in Florida. And, you know, from my perspective, though, but what's the reality of their of their actual economic policy? You know, Marco Rubio's answer to everything is central government intervention. He's like, you know, you look at it, particularly in the last few years, he's been fairly open about not being for free markets. And he comes up with these kooky terms like common good capitalism or uh, gosh, what was it? Uh, uh, I've never heard that one. Or <laughs> patriotic corporatism or something, or something weird like that. It's just weird stuff. And he's just talking what? about, you know, government. Um, it's so weird, you know, oh, China's subsidizing this industry. So in order to compete with them, we got to copy the policies of the communist country um, that we're, we're against because, you know, that really works. Um, it's just, to even it's say baffling. a phrase, to even say the phrase "common good capitalism" means that you don't know what capitalism is. Just, well, just like Val Dimming saying that the Federal Reserve's <laughs> counters inflation, it means that she doesn't know like economics one hundred and one. I never took well, economics. I understand what inflation is. It's expansion of the money well, supply. It's scary well, to think there's somebody in the House of Representatives that's running for senator doesn't know what inflation is. 
Well, and, and here's the thing is that what what's even worse possibility than that is that they know and they're just lying. Okay. Oh. Uh, they're just hoping oh, that you don't know. Um, I, you know, I just have to tell you, I really hate it when I meet somebody that's more cynical than me. Maybe she does know. <laughs> <laughs> she might know. Well, and I'm not saying you that she necessarily she does. But that I'm just saying, sounds like, see, if she knew, she, would, she wouldn't she would say that. Do. That's too stupid. I think <laughs> at least. Knew. I, it's I like a turd means, sandwich. You're just sticking a nice word, you know, like the, yeah. the common good capitalism. It's uh, I forget yeah. where her this, but like a turd sandwich, like, okay, I like yeah. sandwiches. Do you want a turd sandwich? That's what, that's what common good capitalism is like. No, it's still well, a turd. No. You're still eating a turd, even if it's got a nice piece of rye toast on it. Well, that's the thing is it's, um, you know, these guys like in, I, I say, you know, in the, in the case of Val Davies, I think maybe she doesn't actually know that, but I think at least somebody <laughs> knows, okay, when they're talking capitalism, the term capitalism, at least from the advocates of capitalism. And so the, the, and this is one reason why I don't use the term quite as much is just because I know that the people who are against capitalism have a different conception of what capitalism is. So, so when you start having an argument with somebody, it, it's not fruitful because what they think the word means is different from what you think the word means. But somebody who's put supposedly coming from the right should understand the idea of, okay, well, we talk about capitalism, we're talking about, you know, free markets and government not intervening. And his prescription is, government intervention to, you know, whether it's, you know, quote unquote, conservative um, social goals or, or whatever his objective is, or, or, you know, some sort of nationalist ideas. Um, but it's still central government planning. It's still government intervention. And it's still, you know, antithetical to the idea of having a free market, a price coordinated economy. Um, mm -hmm. And for folks, again, it's not so much about inflation, but if you want a good book on, on getting started with economics, uh, a basic economics by Thomas Sowell, talk about that stuff. Um, that's a good record. So, uh, I haven't read that one. I have to add that. The other two books yeah. you mentioned, I have right here, and I have only have a little tiny shelf next to this desk. And I, <laughs> well, I think maybe I have to add that one because I've had I've heard of that one basically. So, so yeah, good recommendation. And, and, if you, so, and if you go look, you can find the audio on YouTube for free. So, um, you get away with that. So, <laughs> if you got time and you're uh, not going to be necessarily sitting in front of something uh, reading, but anyway, yeah, no, but the point is, is that you know these guys. Um, they lie and deceive, but they also are ignorant and, um, whatever combination of it ends up being on a particular issue, does it really matter? Um, at the end of the day, does it really matter? Do you want that person in charge? Do you want them running things? Do you want them having a vote on the most important things? And for me, it's an easy, it's a no brainer. I say no. Yeah. And if, and if, and it's for that reason that I'm involved in this, you know, if I, if I thought I could tolerate those options, I wouldn't put myself through this. Um, it, it's not a pleasant thing. Yeah. But so I think so to circle I think back to the first, it's important. The, well, I was the, just saying, you know, the, they're going back. The the cause it, it matters enough. This is important enough. You know, liberty matters, and and peace, and 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 getting back to the constitution and individual rights. All these things matter enough. Um, and all the harm that's being done by government. So it, I, you can't turn away from it and just not be involved. And so for me, you know, if I say the Republican sucks and the Democrat sucks, and that's definitely true in this case, well, I got to give you an alternative. And so that's what I'm, I'm, I'm here for. And, uh, you know, I know we're way over the time we planned for this, but, uh, but, you know, I, I think it's important to, to, to really get that message to people and, and hopefully, uh, people recognize, you know, the tagline I have over here is change cannot wait. And, and, uh, you know, I definitely encourage you guys to, to go listen to the, to the speech I mentioned because, look, man, change isn't going to come overnight. But 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 how much longer are we going to yeah, wait here? A, um, and you got some got, streams uh, in here. 
Yeah. yeah. How long do you want to? How long do you want to wait? Like the example you brought up of uh, the guys at the at the War for American yeah. Independence. You <laughs> know, if, if they said, "Hey, let's wait until we're we're a little," I'll, I'll join when you guys are a little more even on with the British Empire, because that's basically what we get with the. Um, <laughs> you know, I'll wait till the third party's viable. Well, the third party's not going to be let's viable if people don't join. The third party becomes viable by people getting involved and giving at a bare minimum, give me your vote. You know, that, 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 that's, that's the minimal sacrifice. Okay. Uh, it, it, you're not contributing. You're certainly not like the, like those guys back in 1770. you're not putting your life on the line. Um, this is, we're, we're blessed to live in a time where, uh, in a time and a place where at least we have the system, uh, a Republic where uh, if we can keep it, you know, we can still vote and say, um, and that's the decider. Look, they can spend tens of millions of dollars and flood you with ads. And you could assume that this is um, this is just the way it is. And and we we sometimes get very resigned to this. But the reality is that the power is in you guys' hands. You guys are the power. And it's up to you whether or not they're going to spend those tens of millions of dollars to flood you with ads and they're going to be rewarded for it. And they're going to be rewarded for selling you out in Washington, DC. And they're going to be rewarded for sending your, your tens of billions of tax dollars to Ukraine and uh, writing blank checks to the Pentagon. Uh, we're looking at over, over four fifths of a trillion at the, in the NDA for next year is over 840 billion last I saw, uh, but it might be even higher than that going in. So um, it, are are you going to reward them for that or are you going to hold them accountable by not giving them your vote? And uh, like I said, I can't, there's no way I can have you do that if I'm not here and, and being a part of this. So uh, that's why I'm here. And and I hope you guys will uh, uh, certainly those of you who are in Florida and those of you who are connected to anybody in Florida, you know, encourage them. And, and, and obviously for you guys as well to, um, you know, lend me your support so that we can, we can make this happen. Yeah, I think the, you know the receptive audience. There, there's we're talking about a national election here, so you don't have to be in Florida to want to follow follow Dennis. And here's his website. Um, you can follow him there. You can support him there. Uh, like I said, this isn't a political show. Uh, I've never endorsed a candidate. I mean, I've never even talked to a candidate. But yeah, I'm a I'm a Florida voter, man. You got my vote, <laughs> no question. Uh, I appreciate that. I um, I. Uh, I would love to see you in the Senate and shaking things up and you, know, you make really sound principle arguments. And that's, that's what the show is about. So I'm really glad you, you, you came on. So uh, we're also follow, Congrats. like you can follow you here at the website. It's just yeah. com. Yeah. And if you guys are looking at this page, you can see right under that slogan, there's a, there's a bunch of social media links. So you can, you can follow me on Facebook, uh, Twitter, and Instagram. On Facebook and Instagram, it's at Elect Misigoy. On Twitter, it's at Dennis Misigoy. There's also the link to the YouTube channel, so um, where I've got like all the live streams and a couple of the small videos here and there. So you can you can check out all that stuff. Uh, also on the website, you've got the media page where you've got links to to interviews and stuff in the past, as well as video from the debates. Um, so all these kind of things, a, a whole bunch of content I try to put out here and make sure that people at least have have access to all that. Um, I don't have events listed right now. I'm, I'm probably going to be the only thing I've got really planned at this time is for, uh, you know, just before the election on November 5th, I'm planning to be in Mount Dora for uh, Canifest. So that's 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 the only thing I think I have planned right now um, in some official capacity. And so uh, mm -hmm. but but that's 
you know, I encourage people, you know, check it out and, and spread the word. If you've got a, if you're in Florida or you, you know, other people in Florida and you, you want to encourage them, please make sure they know um, before they get in to vote that, that there is an alternative. They don't need to accept it. And, and it's the alternative that is the common sense, you know, the common sense of I, I, I want to avoid nuclear war. That's a priority for me, you know, avoiding nuclear war and not not trying to escalate while Marco Rubio is saying, well, uh, you know, Russia's already attacked NATO by blowing up Nord Stream. And it's like, Anybody who thinks Russia attacked the Nord Stream pipeline, I mean, seriously. Um, I don't know, man. That's, that's uh, impossible. So, that's stupid. So, Putin, one thing, have, Putin is not stupid. That would be stupid. Yeah, and in particular because the Biden said earlier this year, he's like, yeah, we'll shut it down. We'll stop it. Um, you know, and, and then I, I forget whether there's a, one of the Polish uh, you know, oh, politicians sweet. or somebody made a thing like, thank you, America, or thank, thank you, USA, yeah. something like that. Yeah, and then the investigation started and with, with Sweden and a couple other countries, and they started looking into it. And then Sweden last week announced that, well, we <laughs> can't talk about this anymore because it's too highly classified. There you uh, go. What? There you what? Go. That reminds me of a. <laughs> well, that means it's not a terrorist. It means it's not Russia. It means it's not a terrorist. Yeah, because you know, if it, if it was, they'd be they'd be happy to say that. But you know, when they ask, uh, it, it's like. You know, I'm not a big Ted Cruz fan, but I, I remember watching a clip of him, uh, you know, uh, questioning one of these high ranking folks from the FBI about, you know, January 6th. stuff. He's like, hey, were there any federal agents involved there? Sorry, we can't answer that. You know, yeah, we can't, no, we can't. We can't <laughs> you know, talk about that. You know, was this guy a federal <laughs> agent? And it's like, oh, we, we can't answer that. Um, Who is Ray like, Epps? We can't. answer. Yeah, that. exactly. And like um, the assistant head of the FBI. You know, like, and we, you figure if, if, if the answer was no. They, they should be happy to say no. Um, so, so you kind of can read between the lines there. Um, yeah. Why yeah, was Ray that. Epps removed from the most wanted list on the FBA website a week or two after they started so looking into it? All of a sudden, he's gone. Like one and, of the top and, and guys, that, gone. And that is the one and only person, the one and only person who's on video, who's recorded and noted as having been saying, we got to go into the Capitol. We got to go into the Capitol. He's going and saying to everybody he can, who will listen to him, we got to go into the Capitol. The Capitol's this way. We got to go this way. We got to go into the Capitol. The one and only guy who's instigating the whole, who say instigating the whole thing, but the one guy that you have documented doing it and he's the guy and he's vanished. He's, he's not wanted anymore. So give me a break. They're, they're not even interested in him and they know where he is. They know who he is and where he is. Sure. They said they talked to him. He said, no, he wasn't involved. I'm guessing that he's on the payroll. He's fine. No, he's fine. We're not worried about him. Yeah. But the, so. the guy who had the horn thing on and, and picked up Nancy Pelosi's gravel, like that guy, he's yeah. got to be in solitary yeah, confinement. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the idiot <laughs> taking selfies in, in Nancy Pelosi's <laughs> office or walking around with a lectern, you know, that, that's the yeah, real that danger was, right there. That was dumb. That was dumb. It's, yeah. <laughs> the first insurrection in history where the, all, the insurrectionists forgot to bring a gun with them. <laughs> you know. At least they were kind enough to walk within like the velvet ropes and all that, you know. You know at least they, they kept it orderly, right? Yeah. Goodness gracious. Yeah, it's so. ridiculous. So anybody that isn't that even people that thought the FBI is doing some good stuff, and like we said earlier, they they there's a couple things they do that are useful. States sure, do, sure. but but um, you, you have to question them. Like anybody that still thinks the FBI is good guys after that, I, I don't get it. They're not paying attention. Yeah. I don't get it at all. All right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you want to close with anything? I think, yeah, this has been a great um, show. Yeah, and I, I, mean, I would like to talk to you for another hour. I can tell, but we better close <laughs> this out. It's been two yeah, hours. I, guess, and I we, got some blocks coming up. So, um, 
but, uh, okay. but look, I, I really appreciate it. I, I want to say thank you again. And thank you for everybody who's, who's been tuning in and, and listening and, and, and for those shooting some comments back as well. Um, you know, uh, I, I think I saw some some back and forth about my my last name. Uh, it is Misigoy, and, and the person who misread it the first time, you're not the first one to do it. Um, but you know, uh, it's a hard G sound. As long as you do that, you, you're fine. Whether you get the long or the short I sound. Um, uh, check it's out Misi, the website. It's Misigoy, right? It's a Cuban. That's name, the way right? I it's, it's a Latino. Latin. Oh, it's the Misigoy. Um, so where my father's from, the, the spelling has changed a little bit. Where my father's from is like the the northeastern corner of Italy, where it hit the Slavic countries. Um, and then the place where he was, uh, where he was born and lived, then got annexed by Yugoslavia. So um, it's it's a longer sort of story and everything. But the spelling changed. It used to be two S's and an I. Um, okay. And uh, regard, and I've got cousins down in Argentina who are who have it with a J. So um, then they immigrated there. So they grew up in in South America. And um, so Spanish was the primary language of both my parents. So that so I tend to say Misigoy. But um, but Misigoy is fine. So it's uh, I, I'm not going to nitpick. If if you vote for me, I don't. You can call me what you want, and I'll tell you what. <laughs> Misigoy, uh, yeah. <laughs> so um, so you know. Yeah, but, my my uh, my high school Spanish helps me. I can say Misigoy. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's good. Um, All right. <laughs> so so like I say, uh, yeah. Uh, Closing. Make a. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate so much giving me the chance to be on here, and and again, thank you to everybody uh, who who joined us as well, and. Uh, couldn't be, couldn't be happier for, uh, you know, get a chance to, to talk about all these sort of things. And uh, look, this is why it's important. We, we beat the dead horse in so many of these issues, but it's important and, and, and spread the word, uh, share the video, man. Um, let, let's, let's make sure people know that they have an alternative here in Florida. They don't have to accept uh, those, those two, you know, establishment hacks, the two, uh, the, the two establishment puppets that we have, you know, they epitomize the worst, of the the two-party cartel and, and we don't need to tolerate it anymore uh florida can lead the way that that's a message i want to lead with it's the florida can lead the way we can set an example for the other states by breaking uh breaking this cycle and doing something different we it's in our hands uh let's let's do something with it and uh you know make the news you know you know change change the conversation we can do that um but it but it's up to you guys and uh again thank you for for having me on and you know, let's spread the word. We've got it. We've got a few more weeks and, and early voting has already started. So if you haven't already, obviously uh, head on out there and, and vote for myself. I, I'd encourage you also to vote for a libertarian candidate for governor. Uh, that's a different conversation as Hector Roos, uh, but uh, that's a different conversation. But thank you guys again for having me here. And uh, I can't say that enough. Thank you. All right. And uh, thanks for thanks for coming on. And Tiene un buena fin de semana. Thanks for sticking around until the end. If you're new to Unsafe Space, check out our deep content library that includes discussions with everyone from James Lindsay to Brett Weinstein. And please consider helping to fund our work by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on a variety of social media platforms, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space Discord server which is open to financial supporters at any level. We hope to see you there. Warning, this is an unsafe space. 
Dangerous ideas have been detected. It would be better for your health if you forgot what you just heard. That should be easy for someone of your intelligence. The following co-conspirators are hereby ordered to watch CNN. Experts agree that 87,000 new tax collectors will make inflation feel like less of a problem. I think we can agree that the FBI's track record speaks for itself. If you think about it, only government-sanctioned experts should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Science, scientific, and scientifically are registered trademarks of the World Economic Forum. Unauthorized use is prohibited. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.